Our scripture reading today is from the second chapter of the book of Acts, verses 32 through 47. This Jesus God raised up, and of, and of that all of us are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He has poured out this that you see and hear. For David did not ascend into heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed this, his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, <laughs> praising God and having the goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all here. And uh, for those of you who are first-time guests, I want to offer you a special welcome. Thanks for joining us this morning. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. We're very glad that you are here with us this morning. Well, today uh, we're doing something a little bit different than normal. So if you are a first-time guest, this service is going to be a little bit different. Uh, what we wanted to do as things have just been changing and God has been moving over the past uh, four to five months or so, uh, I had been talking with the staff and the leadership team, and we decided that we really needed to take a Sunday to reflect on what God has been doing, what God is doing, and what God is going to do. So typically we would just jump right into our next sermon series, which will start next week. It's a teaching series on the letter to the Colossian church. Uh, so just know that that's coming up. We'll spend several weeks in the book of Colossians in the New Testament. I'm really excited for that series. Colossians is my favorite book of the Bible. But before we get to that, we're gonna take this Sunday, we're gonna take some time to reflect on how God is at work in new life. Uh, so if you are a first-time guest, if you're with us online or here in person, you're going to get to hear some really exciting stuff that's been going on around here. And you're going to get to hear some exciting stuff that God is continuing to do as he leads us into this new season of ministry that he is preparing us for. Well, so Sarah and I, uh, we had this funny experience with our children. Uh, five years ago, when we were pregnant with our oldest, Augustine, uh, we had found out that we were pregnant, and of course, as I, I was pastoring a small church at that time, we were in rural Wisconsin, southwest Wisconsin, and one of the leaders in the church said, hey, Eric, are you guys pregnant? And I was like, oh my gosh, how'd you know? Yes, we hadn't told anybody yet. 
And he goes, well, you keep talking about children. Like you keep talking about being pregnant and babies. And it was during this time where we were expecting this little child. We hadn't told anybody yet, but the Lord had been preparing us for something, not only for our child, but for a big change that was coming up in our lives. And it seemed evident that the Lord was doing something. So Sarah and I kind of felt like we were double expecting. We were expecting our, our son, our first son, and then also we were expecting God to do something new, something different. And sure enough, uh, just a couple months before Augustine was born, we were appointed to a different church. We went from a little church, um, about 100 people in rural Wisconsin, uh, and then we were asked to go to a church in Madison, to a neighborhood church that uh, this neighborhood was um, under-resourced and it was a high crime rate, gang activity, that kind of stuff. So it was a big change for us, but we were really excited about that change. Something was coming up, so we were kind of double expecting at that time. And then we got pregnant with our second son, and it was shortly after we got pregnant with our second son that God had begun to move and to change us and to convince us, and we kind of had a little bit of a theological awakening. Uh, we were part of a Methodist church at the time, and uh, we realized we had this change. Uh, it wasn't so much a change. We realized um, that truly we probably, be we probably belonged more in the Lutheran world that we were more theologically Lutheran than we were Methodist. So then we not only changed churches, but actually changed traditions, denominations. We joined LCMC, the association that we're a part of, and we got called here. So again, it was kind of double expecting. We found out that we were expecting our second son, and then shortly after that, we were expecting this transition and this change. Um, so if you don't know, we're expecting again and sure enough, just a week or two after we found out we were pregnant, Pastor Ben said, hey, by the way, I'm called to another church. So there's gonna be some changes. And I thought, I told Sarah at the time, I was like, you know what, it's gonna be chaos anyway, let's just do it all at once, right? We'll have all these big changes, we'll have this huge transition as Pastor Ben leaves, figuring out how to navigate the changes and how to navigate all the different things that we have to do to maintain ministry here at New Life, all the increased work and those kinds of things. I thought, why not? Why not just let life be chaos? And so here again, we had this kind of double expectation expecting this little girl in October and also expecting this change that God has been working out through the last uh, four or five months. And so it seems every time we get pregnant, something big happens. So I think we may be done after this one because we don't want any more big changes, right? Don't want anything to change anymore. So, but it's been really great. The last four months as we've been moving into this transition period and calling a new lead pastor seeing how the Holy Spirit has poured himself out onto our church, seeing the congregation step up and all the new things that God is doing here. And it's really been what could have been a very difficult and painful transition has actually been a huge blessing. Of course, it's still been painful, right? Saying goodbye to uh, Ben and Ashley and their kids, that's a painful change, but the Lord has worked through this and he's really done some incredible and amazing things over the past four to five months as we've been working through this transition. And so uh, today what I want to do, what we're going to do, is we're just gonna spend some time reflecting on God's work. God's work in the past, his work now, and the work that he is doing and preparing, the work that we can expect soon uh, to come. And as I've been praying about this Sunday and just really been praying for our church and reflecting on... Uh, what our church is doing, what's happening here, that phrase from the Lord's Prayer keeps bugging me. 
uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I have found that my prayer has been, your kingdom come, your will be done in the Sock Valley as it is in heaven. And that's been my prayer over this summer, the spring and the summer, that we would see the kingdom here in the Sock Valley. And I talked a couple weeks ago about how the church is a colony of new creation, this colony of heaven in an earth that is dying, in a world that desperately needs Jesus. The church is this new settlement, this stake in the ground that says this, this is where Jesus is known and exalted. And this, this is the place where the sick are healed and the poor are raised up out of poverty. And those who are lonely find friends and family. This is the new creation, the place that people can experience the goodness of God in the Sock Valley as it is in heaven. And this is right in line with how this congregation was formed. Formed out of a painful change um, in the structure that they were a part of, the institution they were a part of. Uh, it was a congregation, a group of people who decided, staked the claim that the scriptures are the authoritative word of God and Jesus is still at work today. And so birthed out of some congregations, this new congregation was formed and it was named New Life born out of the conviction that the Holy Spirit continues to renew and continues to give new life in the Sock Valley as it is in heaven. That God has not stopped working, but he continues to work. And over the last 12 years, there have been seeds planted and crops harvested. There's been renewal and change just over different seasons of this church. And it feels like we're right on the edge of this new season, this new harvest, this new thing that God is working out so that the kingdom can be in the Sock Valley as it is in heaven. And our church's mission and vision statement reflect this conviction, this belief. And our mission and vision statement is very simple. Transformed hearts, transformed lives, transformed community, transformed world. That's it. We believe that by the Holy Spirit, Jesus transforms hearts, and he transforms lives, and he transforms the community through those transformed people, and that he wants to transform the world into this new creation. And as we look at Acts chapter two, we read about the early church. And actually, if we read through, as we read through this passage, we're gonna see that really our own mission statement is kind of mapped out onto this passage. We can see all the different aspects of what God is doing now, God was doing then, and really new life is just a continuation of this Jesus movement that started 2,000 years ago. And so as we jump in, to Acts chapter 2, with verses 32 and 33, this is the last couple sentences of Peter's uh, preaching, his sermon, to this gathering, this community of Jews that were from all over the world, gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, the disciples were in an upper room in a house praying, and the Holy Spirit descended upon them and filled them with the Spirit, this with the sound of wind and the tongues of fire over their heads, and then they open up the door and go out into the street, and there's this huge gathering of these Jewish people from all over the known world at the time. 
time, and Peter begins preaching to them, and they all hear their native language. They all hear their native tongue, and, G- and, and Peter proclaims the good news that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God and the Son of Man that is, was prophesied about in the book of Daniel, in the prophecies of Daniel. And this is the last kind of phrase that he says. He says, this Jesus God raised up, and of that, all of us are witnesses. This Jesus God has raised up. He's referring to the crucifixion where Jesus was actually raised up on the cross. That's kind of his enthronement, and it's all backwards from what we would expect, but it's through his service and sacrifice that he is enthroned. He's crucified and died, and then he's raised up by the resurrection. He is resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then he is raised up again in the ascension where he ascends into heaven and seats and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And again, this is a reference to, this is a fulfillment of the prophecy of Daniel where he sees a son of man, a human person, sitting on the throne of God in heaven. And Jesus is that person, fully God and fully man, seated and enthroned with the Father. And uh, Peter continues, he says this, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you both see and hear. So Jesus is enthroned. He is Lord of all. He's been given all authority. And then the Father gives him the Holy Spirit to pour out and Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit onto the disciples, onto the believers. That now they get to participate in the life of God. They get to be filled with uh, the law. And this is actually another fulfillment of prophecy from Jeremiah where God says the law is gonna be written on their hearts. And the Holy Spirit is this, the spirit, the very presence of Jesus that is fulfilling this prophecy. That they now have God dwelling in them, the personal presence of Jesus who guides and shepherds them as they go about their lives and also empowers them to preach the good news. And that's what Peter's saying here. Jesus has been enthroned, he has all authority, and he has poured out this Holy Spirit that now all these Jews are listening to. From all over the world, they're gathered together and they're hearing Peter proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is the very first big claim of the early church, that Jesus is Lord. And we just spent, you know, ending at the end of June, we spent seven weeks exploring about how Jesus is Lord of our lives. This is the very central claim of the Christian church, that there is a ruler, a Lord, who is above all else, who is seated above every authority, above every spiritual power, who is seated above our hearts and our minds. Jesus is the Lord, and he empowers us by his Holy Spirit to submit all of our lives under his lordship. This is the central claim of the early church, and this is still our claim as Christians. And the, um, the congregation that's there, the group of, of Jewish people from all over the world, they have a response. What do we do? And Peter says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So they say, what do we do? We've heard this good news. We heard that Jesus is Lord. So what do we do? And Peter says, repent. 
That word literally means to change your mind, to change the way that you think, to recognize Jesus as Lord. So for these Jewish individuals, that means disbelief in Jesus to belief in Jesus as the Messiah. That's the repentance that they have to go through. They already had the foundation, but they needed to recognize that Jesus was the fulfillment. And he says, repent, change the way that you're thinking about this. Recognize that Jesus is Lord of all and begin to live according to that. Change the way that you think. Change the way that you feel. Change the way you think about Jesus, the way you think about the world around you. And this is transformed hearts. That's what we call this. That's what we call repentance. Is that it's an actual to change in how we view the world. No longer are we out there on our own trying to make it. Now we recognize, we change the way we think about Jesus, that he is, in fact, in charge, and he is over everybody. And so we submit to him. We trust in him. We believe that he is Lord, and we begin to take all of our life to put it under his authority. This is transformed hearts, changing the way we think and the way that we feel about Jesus and our world. And then Peter commands them to be baptized. And we know later in Acts and in the rest of the New Testament, baptism is this entrance into the community of believers. Baptism is this reference as this new birth that we're brought into, this new family. It's a way that we are given the Holy Spirit to enter into this life of Jesus as Lord. Be baptized so your sins will be forgiven and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is transformed hearts changing who we think and feel about Jesus and the world around us being baptized. And Peter continues, for this promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And now we're sneaking into this transformed lives. This promise of Jesus, that Jesus is Lord, that he has been crucified, died, was risen on the third day, and ascended into heaven for our benefit, for the forgiveness of our sins, that we may be connected with the Father, that we may be in proximity to him and filled with his presence. This promise is not just for the individuals listening, but it impacts their children. It impacts their families the way that they go about raising their kids and bringing them into the faith. We hear later in Acts of these heads of households coming to faith and their whole household is baptized. Because when a believer is transformed, when a heart is transformed, it impacts how they deal with their family. It impacts their life. And so now they raise their children differently. They bring their children into the faith and they raise them up in it. And this promise is not just for those listening, but for their children and for all those who are far off. That these individuals go out and then these transformed people transform people. They go into their communities as they live their life and they also bring this transformation. But the transformed lives doesn't stop with just the family. We hear this, if we jump down to verse 42, it says the believers, this is they, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The believers, they gathered together regularly. They spent their time differently. They had this new community, this church, that they began gathering with each other 
to hear the apostles' teaching, to reflect on the scripture, and to the breaking of bread, which is uh, probably a reference to communion, to the Lord's Supper, which they did it a little bit differently than we do now, but it's probably a reference to the Lord's Supper and to the prayers. They would devote themselves to praying the Psalms, and they would devote themselves to praying these extemporaneous prayers over each other. They devoted themselves to this. Their lives were changed. How they raised their families was different. How they spent their time was different. And then we hear this in verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. We see that they spent their money different. Their finances were different because of this recognition of Jesus as Lord. They were together and had everything in common. They would sell their possessions and even their property, we hear later, and they would give to all so that anybody who was in poverty in the church was no longer in poverty. It changed the way these people lived their lives, their family, their time, their finances. Like I said, we spent seven weeks talking about this. We spent seven weeks talking about how the fact that Jesus is Lord changes how we interact and engage in all of these different spheres in our lives. There are kind of six major ones that we outlined in that sermon series, family, church, finances, neighborhood, work, and health, that all these things are different because of the recognition that Jesus is Lord. And fundamentally, this is what we call discipleship. We walk with each other as we bring more and more of our life under the Lordship of Jesus as we bring our finances under the lordship of Jesus and our family, in our neighborhood, in our church, in our work, and it changes things. It makes us different, it transforms our lives. It changes us. As we continue on in verse 46 through 47, this is what we hear, day by day, as they spent, that is the church, spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home, and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. So we know that they went to temple, and there's a couple reasons for this, I think. The first is that these were still Jewish believers. They were Messianic Jews. So they were still going to temple and worshiping there. So they, day by day, they would go to temple for worship, but also we know that they would go to temple to evangelize, to share the good news that Jesus is Lord to their Jewish brothers and sisters. So yeah, they spent day by day, they were together and they had all things in common, they broke bread, but they also went out to where uh, non-believers were and they would point them to Jesus. So they would spend time in worship and evangelism and then they would gather in their homes, they would break bread and they would eat with glad and generous hearts and it says praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And we know that later in the early church, the first couple hundred years, the Roman Empire actually began offering social services to their people because the church was so good at taking care of orphans and widows and the sick and the poor that it was shaming the Roman Empire. So the Roman Empire began offering services to orphans and to widows and to those who were poor because the church was so good at it. Because when you entered into the church, you were no longer an orphan. You were no longer a widow. You had a family that took care of you. 
and you were no longer poor when you entered into the church because you'd be raised up out of poverty. You would be healed. You would hear the good news. And this impacted their community. They had the goodwill of all the people. We know later that this doesn't include the leaders. This doesn't include the Jewish leaders, but this includes all the normal, everyday people they interacted with. They saw the church, and they said, there's something good happening there. The sick are being healed. The orphans are, found, are given families. The widows are taken care of. And the poor are brought up out of poverty. Something is happening there. And they had the goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number. This is a transformed community. Their lives, the way that they lived, changed the way that their community operated. As their community looked at them, they saw all these good things that these people were doing by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they had the goodwill of all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day. May it be so in the Sock Valley as it was then. This is truly the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. This colony, the settlement of heaven in a world that desperately needs the good news of Jesus. This is what we see here in Acts 2. Transformed hearts, transformed lives, a transformed community. And as we read through the rest of Acts, we hear about how these churches would send missionaries to the known world. From Spain to India, churches were being formed. That they were sending people out to begin these new colonies of heaven in all these different communities. Transformed people, transforming people. They would go into a community, they would present the gospel, they would heal the sick, they would do good works, people's hearts would be transformed, their lives would be transformed, and they would form these new churches. May it be so in the Sock Valley, as it was then. We see that God was operating this great thing in the early church, and I believe that he's still doing it today. Sometimes we're a little bit slow to realize it. Sometimes we're not quite so quick as we should be in recognizing it and buying into it. But I think that God is still doing this work today. And it's what new life is trying to fit into. This transformation that God has given us. This transformation that God is doing, that we can be a colony of heaven. A colony, a settlement of new creation in a sock valley that desperately needs Jesus. And so as we read through Acts 2, we want to be part of that. We want to be part of this Jesus movement. And I believe over the last 12 years, this church has been, and I believe that we are continuing to do so. Uh, so there's a lot of great things that have been happening. Over the last four to five, four to six months or so, uh, God has shown his goodness to us. He's poured out his Holy Spirit. He's continued to do great works. And we're going to spend a little bit of time and reflect on that. So I'm actually going to invite Gary Sandrock to come up first. He's going to share a little bit about what God's been doing over the past four to six months as we've been um, experiencing this new thing that God has been working. And uh, then we're going to hear from a couple other folks about other great things going on. Thank you, Eric. Good morning. As Eric 
said, I'm up here for just a few brief moments to uh, talk to you a little bit about how richly God has blessed our congregation here at New Life. Um, just a couple things to mention again briefly is our membership continues to grow. We're blessed with a lot of new members and a lot of young families, and uh, which certainly becomes part of our mission of transforms hearts and transform lives in the Sauk Valley area. Not only has God continued to bless us with our vision of growth and reaching out to, to people, but uh, I want to mention one particular vision that uh, came to being in our, in our congregation starting a couple years ago. Uh, several of the ladies from our congregation, um, I think there was a couple of gentlemen along too, but I know the ladies were definitely the driving factor, came to our leadership team and they said, we have a problem and we have a mission said, we're running out of place to, uh, to, to do the things that we do here at the church, to all the many activities that they do. Um, so it was a combination of quilting and sewing ladies, uh, ladies that, that put on and do all of the hard work for the craft fair, along with just various other things that the ladies here in our congregation do. And they said, you know, we're putting stuff, we, we don't, we're, we're starting to take up room that wasn't intended to be storage room. And they wanted to uh, build a storage building so they brought it, and by the next month, I think they came back and said, you know, not only do we want this, but we kind of want to head, we want to take the lead on this, and we're going to take a lot of the, a lot of the funds that we have, we have gathered together through the, through the craft fair and various things, and they said, we'd like to, we'd like to start a fund. So if any of you haven't noticed on this side of our church, we've started building a storage building, thanks to the vision of the ladies. So... Many people start to say, what's going on out there? So for those of you that aren't aware yet, take a peek. Uh, we've got a lot of volunteers. I know Danny Moore is kind of hitting the crew, but we've had a lot of volunteers that have started working on that. And it's much needed because as the ladies pointed out two years ago in their vision, we were starting to run out of room. Also, several of our members approached our leadership team and staff a couple of years ago with a vision of starting a, possibly starting a Christian school here at New Life. So the leadership team along with the, with the pastors, um, we spent the last two years studying this, praying about it, discerning, more studying, more prayer by the leadership team and those involved. And I am happy to report, as most of you have already heard by now, that this fall we will be opening up the Sauk Valley Christian Academy here at our church. And uh, I will turn over in a little bit when I finish up here, I'll turn it over to Faith Duncan, who has kind of led the charge on the leadership team and on behalf of those that had this interest going back several years ago. Um, I'll, I'll give her a few minutes to come up and explain a little more about it for those of you that aren't aware yet. So that's just a couple of visions that have happened. and. As I look back, just not that long ago, right smack dab in the middle of all of this, our kind and loving God decided to call Pastor Ben to another congregation, as Eric alluded to this morning. So it was kind of a wake-up call, and uh, so the first thing our leadership team did, and along with our staff, is we went to God in prayer for guidance. And as always, our prayers were answered. And I just want to take a moment, first of all, to recognize our staff and thank them again from... Uh, from the bottom of my heart and all of our congregation for what they did because they stepped up. They dug in, they went to work, 
And I can only praise God for their willingness to serve this congregation and take on a whole lot more new tasks um, that came their way during this time of discernment and waiting that we're in. Pastor Eric, for your guidance to the staff and for every little detail that you have picked up, thank you so very much. Um, Danny Moore, Danny's taken over our, our grounds and our church and keeping it in, uh, in good repair and tidy, along with running our music ministry. So I want to thank Danny and also those that have helped and pitched in with him at times when the job was too big and had to get done in a hurry. Sometimes the dandelions grow faster than one man can handle. Um, and I also want to thank Kelsey Sandrock, who once this all started to happen, she took on the entire role of our family ministries um, ministry and she has carried that forward since uh, Ben and Ashley left, because Ashley, as many of you remember, was a part of that. So thank you to Kelsey for taking on that entire ministry. Also to Patrick, also to Patrick Hinton for his hard work and his in all the technology and the sound booth as we continue to uh, as we continue to live stream all over the place in this country from people that that are now watch us online. And, uh, and also a special thank you to Caitlin Wade, our new office coordinator. Caitlin took the middle of this job kind of in the middle of all the chaos and she stepped right in with uh, a lot of us not really knowing what to tell her exactly what to do because things were changing so fast. But she's done a great job of, uh, of picking up and, and running with it and Caitlin, um, we're grateful for that. So thank each and every one of you staff members and God bless you. So. I said this would be brief. Now for some really exciting news of the day, which I deliberately decided to save to the end. After countless hours of prayer and meetings and more prayer and interviews and Zoom meetings and more prayer, our call team and the leadership team both by unanimous decision are ready to recommend to our New Life congregation to call our next head pastor. We're very, very thankful. Pastor Drew Williams, his wife Megan, and two children. Um, we will soon, you will soon receive a letter in the mail with uh, a lot of information about Pastor Drew and his family. But he is the one that, uh, as I said, was chosen. We had a lot, a lot of candidates. In a minute, I'm going to ask uh, our chairman, Joel Klein, of our call committee to come up and give you more details. So I'll leave a lot of that to, uh, I'll leave a lot of that to Joel, but uh, we will be putting out a call letter to, uh, to uh, Pastor Drew, and we will need the congregation's vote on that. So between services on Sunday, August 7th, we will ask you to affirm the call of Pastor Drew. And again, I'll leave the rest of the details to, uh, to Joel to describe. So thank you, Joel, for chairing our call team. Um, and I guess before I close, I do want to recognize our call team because I can't tell you how many hours of prayer, discernment, um, tours, more Zoom meetings that we've put in and a lot, a lot of applicants to go through. Um, but I do want to especially point out our call team so that you're all aware. And if you get a chance, tell them thank you. Joel Klein, who graciously accepted the job of chairing the committee, and Joel did a fantastic job. There's way more to that job than meets the eye, and Joel was, Joel was wonderful. Um, I myself am on the team. Joel Snyderbauer Sr. is on the team. Pastor Bill Sullivan. 
Amy Downs, Faith Duncan, Pam Capes, Josh Humphrey, and Maureen Marandino. God bless each and every one of you, call team, for your dedication and discernment and hard work and a whole lot of hours of prayer in this process. So I ask you all at this time to welcome the other two up here, and uh, God bless all of you, and God bless new life. Well, good morning, Sauk Valley. I'd like to thank you first for inviting me here today to tell you a little bit about the Sauk Valley Christian Academy and Grace Association. I know many of you are wondering how we got here to this decision today, and I would really love to share that entire story with you, but I'm not sure I can talk that fast in three minutes. I could try. But what I can tell you is I have been a Christian my entire life. But my faith journey has really started over the last six months. It has been epic and fulfilling. And I hope you would consider joining us on that journey. But what I have learned through that experience is when you put your faith in God, and I mean all your faith in him, he will show you his plan, the plan he already had laid out for us. And it's pretty amazing. That plan can be summarized by the mission of this church. As you've heard several times today, we're here to transform our hearts, our lives, our community, and the world. One of New Life's mission or visions is to focus on expanding family ministry. And broadly speaking, all aspects of education are key factors of that mission. As you may know, as Gary told us and through some letters, your New Life leadership team approved a partnership like any other mission group with Grace to rent space during the school year. And you're probably wondering how that impacts you as a member of this congregation. So first, Grace Association will manage the staff, the students, the curriculum, the families, everything do, to do with the functioning day-to-day -day of the school. The two impacts to you are the space within the church. During the week, during the day, classrooms will be set up in the Sunday school rooms, the nursery, depending on enrollment, in the conference room, the youth room, and the gym. All other spaces in the church will remain as they are for everyday activities that we have now. Safety. Unfortunately, in today's environment, safety is our number one priority. The front doors will have to have access control during the day. We are working on those details, and as soon as we have that figured out, we will broadcast to all of our members. But please rest assured, as a member of this congregation, you will always have access to the church, your home. A couple of other things that popped up between services that I wanna make provide some reassurance. The kids will be bringing sack lunches. So for the first year, we will not be utilizing the kitchen and we'll keep that separate. 
Secondly, funerals. We will still continue to have funerals here at the church. The kids will learn to be very respectful and quiet during those activities, and we will keep them separated. Lastly, we are just so excited for the mission that this provides to our church, the Sauk Valley area. I know you're gonna have a lot of questions. There's just too many aspects to cover up here. Sean and I will be outside after the service is over. Please come ask us anything that's on your heart. Or if you wanna call us at any time, feel free. Also, Grace is working on making a hire of our school administrator. As soon as that person has been selected, we will make sure we will share that name with you so you can ask them any questions about the school that you might have. Again, thank you for the time, and I'm gonna call Joel up next. Thank you, Faith, and hi, everyone. Um, as Gary mentioned, uh, he, he had asked me to take on the leading of our call team, um, which has been um, both a, a challenge and a blessing. Um, I'm a rookie at, at call teams, so uh, there was a lot of help from the, the team itself, and um, the LCMC organization has some, some good literature out there for, for a guide. But um, also, as, as Gary mentioned, um, God directed us. We could see his hand in leading us and Pastor Drew Williams together. Um, it's been exciting to, to see that happen. And um, Pastor Drew is current, he, well, he's an LCMC certified pastor right now. He's currently serving at a church in Huntington Beach, uh, California. And um, you know, he and his two children and his wife, of course, will be moving here, um, assuming that you know, after the call meeting that we uh, have in August 7th, if the uh, congregation affirms him, we will welcome him here. Um, but we're all excited to have him here. And one of the reasons why we like him uh, as, as our next pastor is his collaborative leadership style that we believe will mesh well with Pastor Eric and with the rest of the staff. Um, so look forward to that letter. It'll have more detail in it about Pastor Drew. There will be some links to find his online presence. He has sermons and, uh, and blogs and, and various other things out there for us to look at. So I encourage you to take a look at those, get to know him a little bit better so that when we um, discuss this on August 7th, uh, you know, we're well informed. And, and the process of how we got there, um, as I mentioned, LCMC has a, has a good guide. Um, and the first thing we had to do was to get together and decide what do we want a head pastor at New Life to, to what will that person, what will that role be? What will their um, vision be and, and how will they fit in? So we put together um, what we felt we needed and then once we got that done, we, we were able to post that on several different websites. Uh, the LCMC has a website. Um, we posted it on Indeed. And there are several uh, websites that are strictly for church workers. You know, churchstaffing.com and, and just church jobs are, are a number of those. And we got quite a few um, 
good candidates um, from those websites. And another thing then that, uh, that we did was we sent out a postcard that describes a little bit about new life and describes the type of pastor that we were looking for. We sent those out to every LCMC certified pastor, and that's over 600 uh, postcards that were sent out. Um, and actually, it was the postcard that drew, that drew Pastor Drew's attention, um, and uh, he liked our, our vision statement. He liked our mission work, and um, so he contacted us. Um, we contacted him back. We, we had a Zoom interview. We brought him and his wife out to, to meet us and for us to meet them, um, get a little bit uh, a general view of, review of the area. And, um, and we like him, so uh, we, we feel good about recommending him. As Gary said, recommended him to leadership team. Leadership team uh, then will recommend him to the congregation at that meeting on August 7th. Um, so I would like to thank the call team. It's been a great group. Everybody contributed, um, lots of good discussions, lots of good ideas. Uh, so thanks to the call team. Also the finance team, we had several questions for them and needed their help on several occasions, and they were always very quick to answer, answer questions. So thank you for that. Um, you, the congregation, you know, thank you for your patience through this process. Um, thank you for your trust in both the call team and the process, and for your prayers that, throughout this time to, to give us the ability to, to see where God is leading us. And of course, we, we thank God for hearing our prayer, for guiding us, and uh, we also would like you to continue to pray for, for uh, our church, and also please pay for, pray for Pastor Drew and his wife Megan, um, and I hope that we get to see you all on August 7th, where we can uh, take the next step. Thank you. All right, thank you, Joel. So we got a lot going on here at New Life. It's a really exciting time uh, to be part of this congregation and part of the work that God is doing. And so I'm just, I'm so excited and honored to be a part of it. Um, and so all those things that are going on, uh, man, the Lord has shown his faithfulness and his leadership through the whole thing. So if you have any questions about any of those things, again, talk to Faith or Sean Cassins about the uh, school coming up, the Sock Valley Christian Academy that we're partnering with. If you have any questions about the call, a letter will be going out hopefully sometime this week. Uh, we'll have that letter out with all of Pastor Drew's information. I hope that uh, if you're a member here, that you'll join us on the 7th in between services. And I hope that you confirm his call because uh, I think that, that God is doing some great things here, and I'm really excited to be part of it. And uh, the Lord continues to lead as we continue to seek his face and follow him and pray. The Lord continues to lead us in discipleship by life groups. And so we're gonna kickstart uh, several of those this fall. He continues to lead and guide us through prayer and through the deepening of our spiritual lives. And we have so many good resources that are coming up for that, including the New Life Lutheran app and some uh, ways that you can engage in that on our YouTube channel and our website. There's just so many pieces that have been kind of moving, kind of in the background, being prayed about, being worked on, and it feels like they're all coming together. And so I think we'll be able to really hit this fall uh, running and have just a great time seeing God work. So uh, thank you so much for continuing 
continuing to partner with one another and uh, the staff and leadership team uh, as we continue to seek God